morning or good afternoon, depending on where you are. Um, my name's Andy Hines, and uh, we're going to be talking about the resurrection. We've been talking about the resurrection of Jesus, and um, we ran into some issues that we discussed, and uh, clearly the, the fundamental point about Christianity is that the resurrection is true. I wanted to quickly go over some points just to set the foundation. Well, number one, uh, if, if Jesus was not resurrected, uh, our preaching is without foundation, our faith is in vain, the apostles are false witnesses, our faith is worthless, we are still in our sins, dead believers have perished and are gone, we should be pitied more than anyone else because we're believing a falsehood. Um, Jesus was a deceiver because he said he rose bodily. And the devil, by bringing death, was something that God could not reverse. So clearly, those things are not true. Jesus did raise from the dead. And the impact on us certainly is eternal. Uh, and one of the things, if you go to, to, I wasn't planning on going here, but if you go real quick to Romans, um, see, Romans chapter 10, uh, let's see, verses 8 and 9. But what does it say? The word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we're preaching, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, there's no four spiritual laws in there. There's no consistent reciting of your sins. You don't have a long list of sins to recite. Um, you, don't ask, it says that you don't ask God to forgive you. It simply says, the word is near you, the word of faith, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, is your Lord, and you believe that he was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. That's a critical point to remember. And when trying to lead someone to Christ, you don't have to take them through a whole list, a long list of their sins. Uh, they know what their sins are. God knows what their sins are. But what we do need to know is, do they have faith that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead? If they get those two things right, they're saved. Not my words, but the Scriptures. So, <clears throat> understanding that, I want to look at, we know the impact going forward from what Jesus said, but I want to look at the impact in his day, uh, what resurrection did for people. So, let's turn over to Mark chapter 5, <clears throat> and we're going to read a story in there. Now, Mark 5 is right after Jesus had the storm story and the parable of the sower. Uh, he told his disciples... Um, the sower sows the word, and Satan comes immediately to steal the word. Then he says, we're going over the other side of the lake. And uh, they run into a hurricane. And uh, uh, the Lord gets them out of that, and he gets to the other side. And while he's on the other side, he runs into the demoniac, the, what we call the Gadarean demoniac or whatever. And um, uh, he was demon-possessed. Uh, 6,000 demons in there. Jesus... Got him. Uh, got got the demons out, 
and turned him loose on the Decapolis, and he was a minister. He was a, 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 a um, evangelist from that point. The people of that region kicked Jesus out, said leave, and he did. So on the way back, he gets back, and there he runs into some interesting situations. Uh, he gets back in verse five, in verse 21 when he comes back. It says, When Jesus had crossed over again to the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and he stayed by the seashore. And one of the synagogue officials named Jairus came, and upon seeing him, fell at his feet and pleaded with him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Please come lay hands on her so that she'll get well and live. And Jesus went with him. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. Now, we're going to skip the little lady with the, he with the hemorrhaging problem. We're going to go over to verse 35. <clears throat> Jesus ministered to this lady while this guy's sitting there waiting on him to come lay hands on his daughter. And, it, and, and, then, and then he says this. This is important. And while he was still speaking, people came from the house of the synagogue officials saying, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher any further? Now, one teacher, one, one great teacher said, called this the death messenger. This is the death messenger. This is Satan's uh, propaganda arm. Okay? He comes forward and he tells a fact. The, the little girl is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? Now, Jairus is faced with an incredible decision to make. Uh, he has already stated what he believed would happen. When you go back um, to verse 23, he pleaded with him saying, My little daughter's at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so she'll get well and live. That's his statement of faith. And the death messenger comes. Now, if you read this in the Amplified, it's really interesting. It indicates Jesus kind of spun on his heels and looked at him and said, uh, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the official, do not be afraid, only believe. Now the Amplified says, do not be seized with alarm or struck with fear, only believe. Now he's asking him to believe something that is beyond his ability. He said his daughter's dead. And Jesus is stepping out, and he's going to act on what he believes the what he knows the Father's told him to do. So listen to this. It says, and he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, James, John, and the brother of James. What's interesting about this is if you go back to the parable of the sower, there were four types of soil. There was rocky soil. There was stony ground. There was thorny soil and there was good soil. Uh, and he tells that the three soils won't get it, but the fourth one will. Now, if you look at that and you put it in terms of today, your pastor's speaking to 100 people, 75 of them aren't going to get what he's saying if he's preaching the Word, according to this. Three, three out of four people won't get what he's saying. Now, when Jesus moves into this situation with Jairus' daughter, he said, Do not be afraid, only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter, Jane, and John. 
How many disciples did he have? He had 12. How many are these guys? Three. That's, what percentage is that of 12? That's 25%. I think that John, James, and Peter were the only three that be, really got what he was talking about in the parable of the sower. And I think it happened after the storm because everybody was scared in the storm except Jesus. And like Bill Johnson said, the reason Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat is because there's no storms in his world. I thought that was an interesting comment. But anyway, so Jesus goes and he lays hands. He says, why are you making a commotion? The child has not died but is asleep. He didn't lay hands on him. He said, why? the child has not died but is asleep. Now, in, the, in, in Luke and here, it says they began laughing at him. And Luke adds, because they knew she was dead. They knew that. Okay? But putting them all outside, he took along the child's father and mother and his own companions and entered the room where the child was in bed. Now, what's really interesting here is he only took five people in with him, and they're the only ones that really believed that he could do this. Mom and Dad, you know they're believing. They're believing for their little girl to get to be raised from the dead. We already know John, James, and, and uh, Peter are with him and they're 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 on board with him. So he goes in and taking the little child by the hand he said to her, Talitha Kum, which is translated little girl, I say to you, get up, and immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was twelve years old. If you look at this situation, the resurrection, we don't get much response from people. Uh, it says he gave strict orders that no one was to know about this. That that's something that always concerns me about when Jesus says this. If, if I'm mom and dad and my little girl was raised from the dead, I'm going to shout it from the housetops. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm so happy about this. But Jesus said, don't do that. And he told them to give her something to eat. She's hungry. And so uh, we need to look at this from the standpoint of, of what was the condition surrounding this. I think one of the more significant things in here is that Jairus kept his mouth shut. He stated what he believed, and you can go over to Mark chapter 11, and you can you can see if I go to Mark 11:25, or actually Mark 11:22. Ah, fiddlesticks! There we go. Um. Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted to him. Well, that's what Jairus did. Jairus said to the mountain, If you come lay hands on my little daughter, she'll get well. And that's all he said. We don't ever have any, any idea what he said after that because he doesn't say a thing. When the, when the death messenger comes and goes after him and says, your little daughter's dead, don't bother Jesus anymore, he kept his mouth shut. Jesus told him, don't, and, and I think this is significant as the, as the um, Amplified says, do not be seized with alarm or struck with fear. Words can do that to you. The doctor can tell you, hey, you know, we looked at the, at the x-rays and this is not good. Um, uh, and, and it's like uh, one woman I know uh, that I listened to her testimony. She said, 
the doctor gave her 28 days to live. Well, in that 28 days, when the doctor gave it to her, uh, she began praising God and been going to the Scriptures. On the 27th day, she didn't feel any different than she did at the beginning. And on the 28th day, she goes to the doctor and there's no cancer, there's nothing in her. And so, we've got to understand that what we say has an impact on what happens to us. Uh, Jesus said that in, in, uh, in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. Uh, by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. Now, this is the hardest thing for us to do, is to keep our eyes on Jesus and speak only the things that His Word says and, and be consistent with His Word. Um, I struggle with that. That's an issue that I have time uh, and time again struggled with. Uh, is matching my words with what Jesus said. Too often I find uh, that I'm weak and that I'm, my words don't match what He said. My words match what my emotions are and what my feelings are. Now, if we go to John chapter 11, we're going to see probably the most famous resurrection in the Bible besides Jesus' is Lazarus. There's a number of things we want to look at here. This is a little bit more uh, involved uh, story than, than Jairus' daughter, but nonetheless, uh, much impact. Um, verse 11, chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment. Verse 3. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is sick. But when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not meant for death, and but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, we, can, we need to camp on that for a little bit because what's going to happen is um, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, people have taken that and they've said that Jesus waited there uh, two days to come back and, and he, he, he uh, was waiting there so that he could show all these things about gospel and that he waited until the guy died to go back. That's not true. And if you, if you read this, this is really an important point to get out of this because sometimes religion enters into the scene and we hear what religious people have told us all our lives and we believe it. So here's what he says. So when he heard that he's sick, he then stayed two days longer in the place. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea again. And they said to him, Rabbi, the Jews who are seeking to stone you, and yet you are going there again? This tells me a lot about Jesus. Uh, rather than running away from the fire, he's running right into the middle of it. Um, it's like Ukraine being over, overrun by Russia. Uh, rather than, uh, I like what Zelensky told Biden. He says, I don't need a ride out. I need ammunition. And Jesus, in this situation, goes right straight to the, to the problem. He goes right back there. Knowing that they want to kill him, he's going back. Now, in verse 11, I want you to watch this. He says, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to awaken him from sleep. Well, 
If he's fallen asleep, he'll come out of it. And Jesus said he had spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking about actual sleep. So Jesus then said to him plainly, Lazarus died. Now, the runner in this situation, he left and went to Jesus and told Jesus that Lazarus was sick. Jesus waited two days and said, that the guy's died, now we'll go. So he goes back, and when he talks to Martha, she says, he's been in the tomb four days. Well, do the math. The guy died when the runner left. The runner didn't know it, but Jesus did. Jesus didn't wait until he died. He was already dead. Jesus knew that. And so he he went back four days. It was a total of four days. And it's important that you get that. Jesus doesn't wait around for bad things to happen. He already knew what was going on, and he told these guys that, and they didn't. They 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 they're having trouble believing this. Okay. Well, if he's asleep, he'll be okay. Jesus said he's dead, and I like this. He said, and I'm glad for your sakes I was not there, so that you may believe. But let's go to him. If what would have happened if Jesus had been there, he wouldn't have died in the first place, because this is his friend. Okay. Now. The, the disciples make an interesting statement in verse 16. Let's also go that we may die with him. Um, this doesn't sound like a group of scared people. Uh, they're thinking that, that, that there's going to be some kind of combat going on, that Jesus is going to go down in a blaze of glory like John Wayne at the Alamo. You know, That's what their thinking is going to happen. That's not what's going to happen here. Um, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died, which is in essence what Jesus had said earlier. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise in the resurrection on the last day. She's got that part down. Okay. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. Now, he hadn't died yet. But he's telling her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And she said, Yes, Lord. I've come to believe who you are. Now, Jesus is circling around uh, this, this idea that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But one of the things he's telling everybody is the resurrection involves life, not death. And, and, and think about this. Think how confusing. They go back and they don't get much of what he's saying when he's talking about these things. Um, he, our friend has fallen asleep. Well, if he's fallen asleep, he'll be okay. Well, he said, no, he's actually died. I'm going to go raise him from the dead. Uh, okay, well, they don't, they're not getting it. They don't understand that. And here he says, whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Even though he dies. Now, that's a confusing statement. But she says, Yes, said to him, Yes, Lord, I've come to believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who comes into the world. And when she said this, she left and told Mary, The teacher is calling you. I don't know if Jesus actually called her or not, or if Mary's, Martha's just trying to get out of a bad situation that she finds herself in. But anyway, uh, when she heard this, she got up quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village but still is at the place where Martha had met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house were consoling her when they saw that Mary had gotten up quickly and left. 
They followed her, thinking that she was going to the tomb to weep there. So when Mary came to the place where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet. Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Now, this is a close family. Martha and Mary are saying the same thing. And Jesus, back when he found out about this, said, the thing, it's a good thing for you guys I wasn't there because you'd never get to see what you're getting ready to see. He would never have died had I been there because he's my friend. These are my, the people that love me and I love them. Okay? And, um, and, and as you go down here, said, where have you laid him, Lord? Come and see him. And I'm not a, I'm not a, a person that is big on, on verse memorization because uh, it's my belief that if you read the word meditate on it, it becomes part of who you are. That's the way it is with me. And this is the only verse in the whole Bible that I've ever actually spent any time memorizing was John 11.35. It says, Jesus wept. Now, I got that one down. But the rest of them... I'm not good on memorizing, but I read them and I know where they are and I know what they say. I just may not exactly have the right verse down, but I can find them. And so the Lord speaks to me sometimes and gives me scriptures and He'll give me pictures of things that I know that those scriptures represent so that I can reference the scripture. Um, that's one of the things that, that should come out of this. Go back to what um, uh, Jairus did, what Jesus told Jairus. It says, you've got to say what you believe. And that's what we called when I'm teaching um, Fresh Wind. The guys there, I teach them what I call BSA. Now, it's not a motorcycle, but BSA means believe, speak, and act. Whenever you're, at, whenever you're dealt with the Lord, those are the three things you have to do. You've got to believe it, you speak it, and then you act on it. It doesn't do any good if you believe it and speak it, but don't act on it. And if you don't believe it, you can't speak and act on it. And it won't work. Yeah, all three of them together. You have to believe it. You have to speak it. You have to act on it. Now, if we go down here, Jesus, uh, Martha said in verse 39, Jesus said to remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he's been dead four days. This is interesting. Jesus doesn't. There's no doubt about it. You talk about near-death experience. This guy's got something to tell us when he comes back. He's been dead for four days. Uh, I know uh, I've read stories of people that have been raised after ten hours. Uh, there was a guy in, that was in Chicago and helping his brother-in-law move, I think, and he leaned on the railing on the second floor and fell. It broke. He fell and landed on his head, split his head open, was dead immediately. And ten hours later, uh, the Lord brought him back. Uh, so that's about the best that I've seen. Uh, maybe others, but that's the best that I've seen. And uh, when the, I would have loved to have been uh, in the morgue when this guy came rolling out of there. Um, I'd get a kick out of that. I think that would be fine. I think the Lord gets a kick out of that. Uh, but anyway, I, I digress. Let me go back here. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So what was the glory of God here? Was it when Lazarus died? Uh, was it when he got sick and, and it killed him? Was that did, did his sickness glorify God? No. Raising Jesus, or raising Lazarus from the dead, got God glory. It wasn't him getting sick, and people will say that all the time. 
well, you know, this sickness, um, uh, God's used that sickness. Well, I'm sure God uses sickness, but He doesn't cause you to get sick. He's not the sicker. That's Satan. Uh, God is the healer. Satan's the one that makes you sick. He brings death and destruction. This was his attempt to kill Lazarus. It wasn't God doing it, so he'd get glory. Now, so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes. And listen to what he says. Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Well, when did he hear him? I don't know. Talking earlier, some point. he hasn't said anything to the Father yet. He's been talking to the girls and the people there. Father, I thank you that, I, that you have always heard me, but I knew that you always hear me. Nevertheless, because of the people standing around, I said it so that they may believe you sent me. So he sent them, and this is what he's getting ready to do. And when he had said these things, he cried out, with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And out came the man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Now, I don't know if he looked like the mummy, and you know, the, the movie The Mummy came out. I don't know what it was. But a very significant thing is said right after that, and this is critical. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now, I never understood. Jesus raised him from the dead. He could have, man, he could have, blown all that stuff off of him and had him come out of there like a normal guy. But he didn't do that. He said, he raised him from the dead. He did the hard part. He raised him from the dead. And then he said to the people around him, unbind him and let him go. In other words, grave clothes, it's the church's responsibility to help people remove grave clothes. God doesn't do that. Um... Many of the Jews who came to Mary saw what he had done and believed in him, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. And important, I put a note down here, resurrection will not be welcomed or cherished by everyone. However, I would rather be a part of a church that sees resurrections and have a lot of people get mad at you for the resurrections than to be part of a church where nothing ever happens and everybody's somewhat happy. Do you, you follow? I don't, we don't want unanimity and agreement at the expense of the Word of God. Um, Jesus has said some tough things. He says this right here. He who, he, he who believes in me will live even if he dies. That's, that doesn't make sense to anyone. These guys don't have the Holy Spirit yet. So Jesus is constantly, you can go back to John 6. Uh, John 6 through 8 is actually some of the great chapters in the Bible. You go back to John 6 and verse 63. He said, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh provides no benefit. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and they are life. And then he said, He was saying this for the reason I told you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him the Father. And he said, If you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no part in me. Well, none of these things make sense to people. And what's really interesting to me is Jesus never goes, oh, wait a minute, y'all y'all misunderstood me. That's not what I meant. What I meant was, he doesn't do that. He just puts it out there and lets people wrestle with it on their own. Um, one of the things that I, that as we go back to, anyway, when Jesus raised him from the dead, it's the church's responsibility to get rid of the grave clothes. I, I, this is actually a good picture 
of being born again. You're raised from the dead. Jesus did the hard part. Can't ra- they couldn't raise the guy from the dead. Now it's up to them to help get rid of the grave clothes. And getting grave clo- getting rid of grave clothes is ugly business. Uh, you're naked. You've got crap all over you from the, the all the spices and stuff. You're wrapped up. Your hair's wrapped up. You're naked below that. And they start peeling these things off. And people are going to see the really ugly part of you. That's not fun. Uh, and 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 most people resist it. I know I have for years. Uh, the, the, this has been uh, shown me over years. That's the, the grave clothes are part of being a Christian, and it's other people's response. That's why you can't do this on your own. No matter what Lazarus did, he couldn't. You know, he couldn't get rid of those grave clothes on his own because his hands are wrapped, his head's wrapped, his feet are wrapped. You know, he's wrapped everywhere. He can't do anything. He's got to have people help him. And I think that's significant. That's one of the things that the Lord uh, uh, performs for us. Now, you go on down and you can see that the Pharisees don't like this. They get mad at him. They they even plot to kill Lazarus again. I always thought that was kind of silly. The guy raised him from the dead, but we'll kill him. That, that'll fix the problem. Um how dumb is that? But I think if you look at this, the resurrection and the power of the resurrection has immediate impact on all of us far beyond what we normally think. So let me close with prayer. And Father, I thank You for what You've shown us here about the resurrection. Uh, we, we thank You for Your Word. And Father, we want to say a special prayer for the Ukrainian people. I pray, Father, for the strength from them. And I pray that the Russian wheels go square on their tanks, just like the Egyptians did. And we're asking you to stop the bear of Russia in Jesus' name. Amen. See you guys next time. Jesus